0: welcome to another episode of sdbc podcast thanks for joining us i'm with mary again and uh, we are going to cover a fun topic, um, mm-hmm. Mary. Sometimes we do serious topics. We talk about we've talked about mental health, racism, uh, current issues that are, that are going on. Um, but we also like to talk about some lighter issues and fun things. Um, and today we get to do that. We're going to talk about a movie that we both like, inspired mm-hmm. by a. Uh, uh, A young friend of ours (laughs) named Flo, uh, she loves this movie called Encanto. Mm -hmm. And Encanto is a Disney movie. If you guys haven't watched it, um, you might want to pause this right now and go watch it and then listen in on the rest of the episode. Or maybe you want to listen to the whole episode and decide if you want to watch this movie or Mm -hmm. not. Um, But if you haven't watched the movie, this will be quite a bit of a spoiler. (laughs) So we have warned you. So if you continue to listen, then then you will be spoiled for the Listen at your own risk. Exactly. Um, Encanto is a movie actually that's been out for a while. So we're not super worried about the uh, spoiler alert here. Yeah. Uh, it's been out since November of 2021. So mm-hmm. kind of in the thick of COVID, I guess, still. Um, and it came out and it's on Disney Plus now. So if you want to watch it there, if you have Disney Plus subscription, or if you watch your movies elsewhere, you can go there and watch it um, uh, legally. Hopefully you find a legal place to watch your movies. <laughs> um, This is an animated film uh, by Disney, and it's appropriate for a wide range of age groups. Mm -hmm. Um, And I watched it with my son, uh, Nathan, and it was fantastic. And you just recently watched it. So how did you find the movie?
1: First of all, it was beautiful. I mean, the music and the colors and the culture that they represent, it's a beautiful film to watch. Um, And it's really cool because, yeah, I watched it with a two-year-old, actually, Mm -hmm. and she can watch you know pretty much the whole thing start to finish because it's just such a beautiful, interesting, lively um, well-paced film to watch so that's one thing um but I know that you were particularly inspired right because didn't you then like write curriculum about it as yeah. well because you were so inspired
0: <laughs> yeah so Sarah's teaching uh I think grade fives and six is a split class mm. grade five six and she was teaching on uh, storytelling story writing um so it was on characterization and mm-hmm. plot structure and um I think also uh just kind of um, just how the dynamics of how to write stories. And I, I wrote some of the lessons with um, Sarah because I, I used to be an English teacher, so mm-hmm. this is kind of my wheelhouse. So I, I helped Sarah write the lessons for the week. And at the end, as it culminates into this project, I thought they could watch the movie Encanto and the kids will have fun watching it, mm-hmm. but also they, they'll now be able to identify, oh, that's a round character or a flat character and, and things like that. So we were able to write a lesson plan with Encanto so cool. um, and it was fun. And I heard Sarah say that the kids loved it and mm. the kids loved identifying what they just learned in a movie that's so accessible to, to people.
1: It really is so interesting how much thought Um, is put into these storylines and how they can tag so many different age groups because of the depth of thought and character development and it actually made me think even today we were talking about other animated movies and Mm -hmm. there's obviously a certain amount that came out in the early 2000s that I watched when I was a kid we were even talking about WALL-E and how I just watched it and I know the plot and to me I categorize that as sort of a boring movie and then you're explaining this whole like fascinating social commentary and the plot and everything and so it's interesting watching animated movies as as an adult and looking for those underlying and beautiful messages because there really is so much content and so much depth that they can hit. Um, and, yeah, then it just makes me think, like, someone maybe more Nathan's age, what do they get out of it? Do they just get the colors and the sounds, like, the two-year-old I yeah. watched it with? Or are they getting more of these deeper messages? I
0: yeah. don't know. Well, because cause if you want to do well, like, just financially, if you're producing a movie like this and if you want to do well, then you have to hit not only the children yeah. but also the parents yeah. and maybe even the grandparents, mm-hmm. right? So a uh, really well-rounded movie would actually have something for every generation. And I feel Encanto is categorized in that, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, it does hit— I think the children, but also uh, younger people like us, maybe. Mm -hmm. I I would like Mm -hmm. to still categorize myself like that. And also grandparents. I think they would have fun watching it. Um, Now... This movie, like you said, is beautifully made, just, mm-hmm. not just in the picture part of it, but also musically, right? Mm, because uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote Hamilton, mm-hmm. the, the Broadway musical Hamilton, which was a huge mega hit, um, he had his fingers all over the music here. Mm-hmm. And you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he
1: is a very distinct, not quite rap, but not quite, it's almost like a spoken word sort yeah. of um, pace of the Music?
0: Yeah, so the music you find in Encanto is very much like a Broadway musical, and it's actually really excellent because it is done by a person who does Broadway musicals, mm-hmm. and and it's really, really um, super well done musically. And also, I find this interesting, just even before we get into the biblical themes that we can see, which, by the way, is why we do, we do these mm-hmm. um, podcasts mm-hmm. about movies, because we love talking about biblical themes and thoughts um, through art, whether it's music or whether it's movies or shows. In this particular one, before we get to that part, I just find it fascinating that a lot of these animated films that are coming out now, um, they have strong female leads, mm-hmm. mostly. So in this case, uh, the, the protagonist is Mirabelle, yeah. and she's kind of the hero uh, mm-hmm. or heroine of the story. And also, um, they're non-white, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of a trend right now, not only in Disney, but a lot of animated films. Um, more recently, um, at the time of this recording, uh, Super Mario Brothers came out. And of course, that is based on male, white characters, but actually the makers of that story and that Mario world are Japanese, right? It's Nintendo. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a huge fan base in Asia, uh, which is why I think Super Mario Brothers uh, broke the record on opening weekend in the box office for any animated film in history. Um, And I watched that with Nathan as well. I don't think it's like me personally. I didn't think it was like that good. it was good, but it wasn't that good to break the record of mm-hmm. all time. But I think that <laughs> nostalgia factor and the fact that it's not going to only hit the Western yeah. um uh, worlds, um, but also Asians and like it's pretty global. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it did so well in the box office. But Encanto itself is um, it's a Latin. Kind of you you hear lots of Latin words in there or Spanish mm-hmm. words in there as mm-hmm. well. It's a Latin American kind of Yeah, it's set vibe. in
1: Colombia, I think. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the music also is very much mm-hmm. um like Latin American music. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's fun and it's exciting. But it's also cool that kids will grow up watching movies where, you know, there's a diversity of yeah. protagonists. Because it's
1: so much more accurately represent representative of our actual world. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah.
1: I think it's very important. I think it's, you know, about time that we start showing all of
0: the cultures. Yeah. And when I went to Disneyland recently, it was all about like Coco and mm-hmm. Encanto and all these places where it's not the white male character that's the hero of the story mm-hmm. all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even though we still have that and we love that mm-hmm. too. Um, so it's it's been interesting to see the social aspect of these movies that come out recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get into some of the biblical themes that we find yes. in this movie. Yes. Um, first one we can start off with is this uh, emphasis on the importance of community. Yes. Uh, how, what did you notice in the story about community and family?
1: Um, well, because it's set in a different culture, I initially just noticed the more, like, collective nature of the community and how, um, you know, all the everyday life things they're doing together, they're in the same house. It's just a much more, like, interwoven type of family and community um, than you often see a lot in, in the West or mm-hmm. in um, North America. Um, so I noticed that right away as well. Um, I think... Uh, a little bit of maybe that sort of like shame and honor kind yeah. of commitment and relationship with the community. So that yeah. was really interesting. Um, yeah, because like, again, we talk about all the, the older Disney movies and it is very, you know, we almost celebrate the independence of one singular hero and their story and their trajectory and their character. arc. Right. But then this movie is really beautiful, showing a collective community and how... A, they need each other, but also how their actions really affect each other because they're so interwoven. Yeah,
0: and I think it is cool that you picked up on, and I did too, on the the collective nature of Mm -hmm. the world that Encanto takes place Mm -hmm. in. Obviously, it's a fictional world, but even in that, you can tell... That it's based on this Latin American culture of collective um, cultures, mm-hmm. uh, collective societies mm-hmm. where families live together, quite literally. Uh, in this case, there's the casita and, and they all, this whole family, multiple generations live together and, and they build this house and community literally and phys- um, and figuratively together and, and they kind of become the heart of the entire community, the village, if you will, mm-hmm. around Encanto. Um, and, and I think there's really cool things about that because they, we're going to talk about gifts later because gifts are a huge theme yeah. of this movie. Yeah. Uh, but even the gifts that this family is given, this miracle they call um, it's actually meant to be used to strengthen the family and strengthen the home mm-hmm. um, and the community. So they even talk about, it, I think literally like that in, in one of the mm-hmm. um, lines that one of the characters speak and it's supposed to be used to serve the community. And I think there's this huge emphasis on the importance of community and this beautiful idea that uh, multiple generations could live together in harmony. And yes, it could be messy. And sometimes there could be misunderstandings of each generation and, and maybe different ways to do, uh, do family and do, do mm-hmm. community. Um, but at the end of the day, um, living in harmony together is Mm -hmm. a huge gift. I think that's a message of this movie, which is very clear.
1: Yeah. And as well, they really show the, um, how do you say like the generational respect that would probably be more seen in a culture like that because there's that huge conflict that the main character Mirabelle has of like I really think my abuela is wrong but how do I approach this and I mean it does really come to a climax when they have a pretty intense conversation but a lot of the beginning of the movie is her just with that internal conflict of like I know this to be wrong but my abuela is someone I need to respect and follow and um and model my life after so that was really interesting as yeah. well because I think especially right now in maybe more older um media like teen and young adult uh tv shows and movies that are really going around I think it's all about you know the older people have all failed us we now need yeah. to take over yeah. we're the heroes of our story kind of a thing yeah. and that this is not that same yeah. message
0: yeah like a little bit of a dystopian setting exactly. right? like, like especially yes. if you go back like a decade or so you get the Hunger Games yeah the, Divergent uh, franchise and things like that. Yeah, for sure. I I think, yeah, this is actually quite counter Mm -hmm. of of those things um, where the younger generation makes mistakes, the older generation makes mistakes, but then they come together and recognize, hey, we're not perfect, Mm -hmm. but we're family. We're going to stick together. Um, in the Bible, um, we're going through the book of Hebrews at the time of recording this episode. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 25, where it's, it's one of my favorite things from the Bible. It says, do not neglect to meet together and encourage one another, right? Um, and, and I think the Hebrews church um, going through some struggles and persecution and, and real hard times, they're situated in a position where they could easily just walk away and, and just care about yourself first. Right, be selfish. All right, it's me first, and then once I'm better, maybe I'll look after mm-hmm. my family and my community again. But the author of Hebrews encourages people: Hey, dude, don't don't neglect to meet together, and remember, you need them, and they need you, and together you're so much stronger. And it and sounds so cliche, but it's a real truth that this film kind of highlights, but also the Bible highlights over and over again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the the conflict actually in this story, in general, is a threat to the community. Um, the plot is actually driven by this idea that the the family is trying to keep the family together and and protect it and allow the family to flourish. Abuela does it in her own way. Abuela meaning grandma. Mm. um, And Mirabel and her cousins and sisters, they try to do it in their way. and, And the And the parents' generation, they try to do it in their own way as well. Uh, But at the end, there's this beautiful scene. It almost kind of made me a little bit emotional (laughs) at the end of the movie. But it is a beautiful scene at the end uh, where it's like a musical, so they're singing a song. But then the house is broken down. It's literally in rubbles. And it's all fallen apart. And there's this hope of rebuilding it. And as the family goes, like, hey, we can rebuild this. Don't worry. Uh, We could do this together. And then the community starts to literally join in in chorus. They're singing because it's a musical kind of a <laughs> thing. Um, but then they come and marching together with tools in hand and saying, hey, hey um, lay your load down. I think that's the wording that they sing, like lay your load mm. down. And, and don't feel like you are this heroic family that has to do it and bear the burden on your own. And we might not be as strong and special and, and, and have these miraculous powers as you do. But we are many. And I think that's kind of the words of the song, like, we are many, mm-hmm. and together we can do this. Mm-hmm. And I love that scene because it highlights the community. It's like, hey, you don't have to be a hero and do it on your own. Mm-hmm. It's actually not good to do it that way. Community is better when all of us do our part, right? And, and I think Mirabelle kind of talks about that, too, when she says, I just want to do my part. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think it is also then a testament to the fact that then that family most definitely would have been using their gifts to serve the community because they have that relationship and they have that... Um, give and take sort of a communal nature that will then when they, because they're using their gifts to serve and love and serve and love, but that obviously isn't going to go on infinitely. So then when they need help to their community, even though they don't have the gifts are able yes. to bring what they do have to help them in return.
0: Yeah. It's beautiful. So just for people who, who haven't, who haven't watched the movie yet, um, Mirabelle is the protagonist. She's a young lady in the, in the movie, um, the granddaughter. And, and she has, uh, no gifts, so she she doesn't have any superpowers, if you will. Mm-hmm. There's no supernatural uh, powers that she has. Um, all the other family members do, um, including her cousins, her her sisters, her her everyone who is born of this family uh, is mm-hmm. given a gift, is what they call it, but it's it's basically superpowers, right? Her mom can heal people with her food that she cooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, her sister is super strong. The other sister can make flowers bloom everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a cousin who who has supernatural hearing; she could hear everything. So there's like every family member has it except her and also the 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 people who are married into the family. They don't have gifts. They're quote unquote normal people. Um, so that's kind of the, the plot line here. And, and another important theme we find in this movie is that you're more than your gifts. Mm-hmm. That your gifts shouldn't define you. Um, there's a lot to talk about here probably. Um, Mary, what do you think about the highlighting of gifts in this movie?
1: I think that it... Even though us in this world, um, we don't have those supernatural gifts, I was just so impacted by how that same um, train of thought and that same statement so rings true to -hmm. us Mm -hmm. that we are more than our gifts we are more than our jobs we are more than the things we do we are more than the product we provide to those around us and so even though it's talking about gifts in two very different ways I thought that it was an incredibly powerful message and I mean in that song when they're talking about it I also got emotional (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting it because I remember laughing when you said that and I'm like it's just an animated movie but It's beautiful and it's really significant how they um, trace that narrative through the whole movie and how you see everyone begin to learn that that's the reality. Yeah,
0: And the irony is this young woman who doesn't have any gifts, um, or at least she doesn't think she has any gifts, uh, she goes around and showing all these people with the gifts. That you're more than your gifts, Which I thought was
1: also <laughs> such a cool thing because you could have totally pictured this movie of her not having any gifts and then her just sort of like spiraling into like a rage. Or she's yeah. the outcast family yeah. member because she doesn't have any gifts and she's mad about it. But how the character Mirabelle is able to like encourage yeah. the family and allow the family to grow even though she's the one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's, cool. it's
0: actually quite cool because um, cool. the storyline kind of follows Mirabelle being the protagonist in her own identity crisis of hey I don't have a gift. There's this one song where she's very vulnerable and she's going like she's crying out to heavens. It's interesting because it doesn't identify who's giving the gifts. Yes, right. It's very left kind of up to your inter- yeah. yeah interpretation, but uh, she kind of looks up to the sky and says bless me, bless me with a gift, bless me with the miracle like. Why am I not getting one when everyone else gets mm. one so there's clearly this struggle internally for her there's an internal conflict of trying to find her identity and purpose in life and especially in her family So we as the audience we're kind of following her journey and discovering her identity and mm-hmm. purpose but along that journey she helps Bruno find his identity mm-hmm. she Lisa. helps Luisa yeah and uh, Julieta and she she helps Isabel. Um, uh, Isabel and all the family members and ultimately, uh, Abuela.
1: Yeah. Right. She yeah. helps
0: these people along her journey of finding her identity. And then I think at the end she realizes, wow, this is my gift.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Actually. Right.
0: Like I'm an encourager. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a person who loves well and I hold the family. I'm the glue person for mm-hmm. this family. Mm-hmm. And and it actually ends up being like, wow, it may not be as supernatural or fantastical as some of these other gifts that her family has, but yet is, is this, is this one of the most important gifts mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to love and be gracious and to encourage another mm-hmm. Um,
1: question for you, yeah. was there a particular character's arc and realization that you kind of identified with or thought, Oh, I can see that in my life or anything like that? Um,
0: a little bit of Mirabelle probably cause my okay. brother was like a saint growing up. So yeah. I always felt like, Oh, like my family and my dad was a pastor and mom, um, just always like, there's this level of perfection that mm. they had to attain and that we as a family, I felt like the pressure of. Which is probably why my brother and I both in later years ended up rebelling quite a bit hmm. um, because of that pressure. So maybe Mirabelle herself or maybe even um, not, not so much as Isabella. I feel like my brother might have been in that category to, to be the perfect. The perfectionist, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt a little bit of that like, oh, I feel the pressure of the family hmm. and I don't know how to help. I don't know what I can offer to the, to the family. Hmm. And what about yourself?
1: Um, definitely Louisa, actually. Mm. There's even a line in her song where she, it literally says something about like being the oldest daughter and yes. having it all together yeah. or something. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, I do feel that. Um, and just the, the, like, give it to me because yeah. I can handle it and, yeah. and, and not in like a martyry sort of way, yeah. but in a, like, I love you. So yeah. I'm going to try to do this, yeah. but not realize that it's then weighing me yeah. down unnecessarily. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's why I asked you that question, because I really felt like I yeah. very much identified with that yeah. storyline.
0: Well, there's actually a beautiful scene in Luisa. I don't know if you caught it because I watched this three times or four times now. Everyone's seen it twice. Yeah. So um, there's a scene. Um, yeah, she has that solo, right? Almost like a soliloquy. the song mm-hmm. that she shares her real inner feelings about how even though she's physically strong, she feels like there's so much pressure and she's about to break. And mm-hmm. then at the end... When they lose their miracle and when they lose their powers, and all of a sudden at the very, very end, when they regain it, I don't know if you noticed this, but she regains her powers. So then Isabella blooms this giant cactus kind of a thing in a giant pot and it looks heavy. So then she comes along, uh, Luisa comes along, picks it up like it's nothing because she's regained her superpowers. Mm-hmm. And then she puts, uh, she puts it on a table, I think, and then she get, kind of gets right back to work. And then um, Antonio, the littlest cousin, the youngest one with the powers.
1: The one that can talk to the animals? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So he actually intercepts her going back to work mode and he pushes her into a hammock (laughs) and then serves her a drink.
1: No, I didn't even catch yeah, that. Yeah, that,
0: that, that's like a real kind of cool. It's just a split second scene, and yeah. yet it's saying, "Hey, hey, remember, yeah, you're not defined by the work you produce for the family." Yeah. I know, I know, because she, Luisa, does it for the love of her family. She thinks that's the way to serve them. Mm-hmm. And if she can't bear the load, she feels like she's letting the family down. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end, when the when the conflict has been resolved, the the result is, hey, remember, remember, um, you can sit back. You can rest. You're allowed to relax and enjoy the family, not just work, 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 work. And we love you, not just your gifts. And and that all of that to me was spoken in that little split second where the littlest, youngest cousin is mm. actually pushing her onto a hammock and saying, hey. Just relax. We got it. And I think that's beautiful because it's also like the community is helping each other do that. In an Mm -hmm. ideal community, you would help each other when you're too much into your identity and your gifts, whatever skills that might be. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the community's responsibility is like, hey, you know what? We love you as you are. Mm -hmm. We don't love you just because you're a great accountant or you're a great mother or whatever the role you have that you prize. Um, I see this in church all the time. Right. Like Louisa says, she feels worthless if she can't be of service. Mm -hmm. that's one of the lines in her song. And Mirabelle says near the beginning of the movie, she says, I just want to do my part like the rest of my family. So there's this like identity that we find and purpose we find in what we do Mm -hmm. rather than who we are. And we do that in church. I've talked to people who are so musically talented, for example, and asked them if you lost your ability to play the instrument you play or sing the songs that you sing so well, um, would it make you struggle to worship God mm-hmm. because you find so much identity in being a worship leader or being uh, serving musician, in yeah. that way. Um, like athletes sometimes go through a massive struggle when they get injured and, and their careers end because of that. They thought they were going to make it into the big leagues. Their trajectory was very hopeful. And if if an injury like an Achilles heel or something like that completely stops you from pursuing that, I know lots of athletes who have struggled mm-hmm. with identity crises after that. Um, in the church, I feel we find that, hey, I, I'm, I'm an elder. Like, that's mm-hmm. my gifting. I, I lead. Or or I'm a speaker. I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. That's what I do. Or, hey, I'm great in the kitchen. Or I'm great at music. Or I'm great at building uh, building stuff and renovating the church building. Whatever our skill sets or gifts or or the, like, spiritual gifts even that we bring, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think it takes over and becomes an idol. Yeah. Rather mm-hmm. than using it to serve God and seeing it only as that, uh, we find our identity in it and we ask the gift to carry the meaning of our lives. Mm-hmm. And when that gift fails us or it's taken away, like in this movie, then you're just all depressed and there's nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the movie kind of shows how dangerous that kind of mentality could be for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you see that in, in our society or in the church or anything like that?
1: Completely. And I was going to say how it's just so interesting the timing of this because our last podcast mm-hmm. was about uh, my recent injury mm-hmm. and confession mm-hmm. and life change. And so I even see it as close as in what's literally just been unfolding in my own life. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely see it. I definitely see us getting our worth in what we do. But I also think because sometimes, um, That's what's praised because that's what can be seen. So even for me as someone who um, works in the church and does ministry, who's a friend, who's a daughter, who's a wife, I try and be really intentional about the praise and encouragement I give people so that it's not explicitly about what people are doing and building each other up that way. Like obviously noting when someone does something great and encouraging them in that, but also remembering to balance out who they are. And so in, in our last podcast, we talked about that someone actually wrote me a card saying that Mm -hmm. I'm loved, not for what you do, but for who you are and how significant just one tiny sentence like that is. And also knowing that the creator of the world also thinks that and has instilled that in all of us. And so, um,
0: Yeah, that person was like a Mirabelle to you. Exactly, exactly. And I think I I was able to do that. Hopefully today, Uh, I received a phone call from a a daughter who lost her dad. Mm -hmm. And this is a daughter who had a great relationship with her dad. Um, So um, called each other like six times a week, right? Um, And now she can't call her dad anymore because he's in heaven. And there's sadness there, but there's also joy that he's in heaven. And she's got strong faith. And I encouraged her, hey just even from the outside looking in, you were so faithful as a daughter, mm-hmm. right? You had a great dad, um, there's no doubt, but you as a daughter, you were faithful. I just want you to hear that. And and I hope that encouraged her. Sometimes we just need to be mirror to the world. We're just mm-hmm. to say, Hey, love what you've done, love who you are, mm-hmm. just who you are and what you are all about. Um,
1: and that's totally um, like the concept of speaking truth and being gospel fluent, mm-hmm, like we always mm-hmm, talk about is... Mm-hmm. It it will not be hard to encourage people in this way if we are, you know, gospel fluent and grounded yes. in that. And if we are believing those truths, even about our own selves, too. Yes.
0: yes. No, I think it's fantastic. And um, this idea that we're more than our gifts mm-hmm. is something that we have to speak to each other as a church all the time. Um, I, I feel that sometimes um, a lot of people encourage me about my speaking because that's mm-hmm. what they see most or maybe a decision that our team has made. And I give a lot of praise to our team, our staff, our elders, our, our lady. Um, but at the end of the day, we are loved and we are beyond so much more than our, our gifts or our skills or mm-hmm. what we bring to the table. Those are all important things. But I think the anxiety and the stifling uh, lifestyle that we see a lot of people live uh, restlessness. We talked about Sabbath a lot last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that we can't stop because it'll all fall apart if we don't if we don't produce. Uh, I think that's unhealthy ultimately to the community to ourselves. Um, it's something a huge lesson that uh, a simple animated film could remind us about, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's a biblical truth. Um, so as Christians, when we see that in the world, I think it's an opportunity for us to reflect on the Christian teachings on those things. Um, That God loves us not because we brought all of these fantastic gifts. There's Mm -hmm. a boy who brought two fish, uh, five loaves of bread, but it's not because of that, Mm -hmm. right? It's actually a meager gift.
1: Exactly. I mean, you even preached on it on Good Friday about how there's Mm -hmm. nothing that we can add to this Mm -hmm. gift of -hmm. salvation and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Nothing.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just need to remind each other of that Mm -hmm. and remind ourselves of that. So I liked that part of the movie quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was really humbling to see that. And I liked how they addressed it because I know a lot of young people in, in high school, for example, are going through this kind of identity crisis. Um, I know that um, social media doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I, I have to portray a perfection kind of a lifestyle. Uh, I have to be like Isabella in the movie, right? Like I got to be perfect. And, and I think that's sad that our kids grow up thinking that and living under a pressure mm-hmm. like that. Um, I want them to have pressure, uh, expectations and responsibility for sure. Those aren't bad things, but I want them to know that they are loved. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they fail, they will be loved. They're not They're not loved only because they got good grades in school or or they're good in their behavior. Um, those are good things, and I want them to have success in those too. But at the end of the day, you're loved because who you are, because God made you in his image. And we are bound, duty-bound to each other to love one another without any strings attached. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a cool theme. Uh, another theme um, that I found in the movie was uh, that we're all trying in our own way. Mm-hmm. And I think this is interesting in the movie because, like, everyone is actually trying to love the family. Bruno's doing it in his own way. Um, Isabel's doing it in her own way. Luisa in her own way. Everyone's carrying their own burdens and thinking, I'm helping the family. And at the end of the day, there's, like, a little bit of a blame thing at the end. Like, oh, Abuela's saying, you are what's broken, Mirabel. You ruined—because she associates Mirabella with failure because she's the one where the gifts didn't work where the magic started to fail Mm -hmm. right so it's like oh man mirabelle you're the reason so she's she she, deep inside it sounds like she loves it mirabelle but she can't help but think mirabelle represents now our our family's failure and vulnerable vulnerability Mm -hmm. so then she gets upset and mirabelle mirabelle goes i'll never be good enough for you right and then mirabelle kind of blames abuela you're the one that's broken You're the one that's adding pressure to all of us. Mm -hmm. You're the reason why this family's broken, not me. And both of them, it's in the heat of the moment. I don't think they actually mean that. Mm -hmm. I don't think they mean to hurt each other with words. But it ends up with this massive scene of the house literally crumbling down, tumbling down. And then figuratively, of course, the home is broken now. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, What do you think about this idea of we're all trying Mm. our best in our own way?
1: I think it's so real life and I think it really practically um, comes down to communication mm-hmm. and expectations and how we all process those things differently. I mean, even just the other day, Phil and I were having this conversation and this is just like a tiny little example, but we were talking about The ways that we like to be communicated to. And I was saying, you know, I really like it when someone asks me, How are you doing? Mm -hmm. A big, deep question that we can now sit down for like potentially 10 to 20 minutes and just talk about. And so I ask that of other people because I think, Oh, if I want to be communicated to, and this is an expectation I have for those around me, I'm going to communicate like that. That kind of thing is very overwhelming for Phil, but he really likes to be asked every day how his day was, Mm -hmm. which I don't really care about that. You can ask me how I'm doing once a week, and that will fill me up and meet my expectations and be how I like to communicate. Whereas he has a very different style. And we kind of sat there and realized he asks me every day how my day is, mm. and I try and ask how he's doing, yeah. and neither of us wants to be communicated <laughs> to like that. Yeah. And the expectations, and how, again, if that's not addressed, if that's not communicated properly, if that's not known, it just becomes a mess of blaming saying you don't care about me you don't care about me but really it comes down to communication and expectations and how that's going to be different for every person but if you can communicate about it and know that and then love the other person enough to be able to do that it is beautiful relationship. Yeah. So that's actually what I took out of that time as mm-hmm. I was just like, this is just such a big miscommunication. Yeah.
0: yeah and, and, and you're reminding me of a saying that I like to say a lot that I learned from my mentor, um, seek to understand mm-hmm. rather than seeking to assume. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. I think or we, accuse, yeah. yeah, we, we, I think we jump to accusations or assumptions and yeah. go, okay, that's what he thinks. He doesn't care about me. Yeah, It's like, wait, he did it to care for you, yes. except it was just miscommunicated or yeah. misinterpreted or both maybe. Yeah, um, And I think that's the challenge in church. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually do believe most people that I know um, in our church and beyond, they are trying to do their best. Mm-hmm. Right. No one's out here um, trying to sabotage the church. <laughs> right. Um, no one's going like, oh. I'm going to wake up today and make everyone in the church's life miserable, mm. right? No, no one's doing that. Hopefully, I'm not yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah. so, so then we go up there and, and I make a decision as, as a, as a um, leader of our church, or maybe someone does something in the church and people might go like, oh man, Paul just wants everyone to be miserable. Or Paul wants to drive the church to the ground. Like, mm. of course not. Right? And yet you might see that as a bad decision, which is fine. You can have that opinion. <laughs> um, so we do that quite often, actually. It sounds silly, but we do. Like, oh, if you're playing these songs in the church, oh, you must hate the church, because that's like a horrible song to mm-hmm. sing in church. It's it's your opinion about song choices. And you might go, well, Jason's doing a horrible job. He's actually leading us away from God. And and potentially, there, there needs to be uh, good communication. But if we can just give the benefit of the doubt to people that like, okay, the only reason Jason chose these songs are probably because Jason thought and believed mm-hmm. that these songs can help our church worship God, right? That that's where his heart is coming from. Oh, and Paul makes these decisions or says these things. Oh, he must believe that these are decisions that will help our church um, worship God and and stay faithful to our calling. Um, but then sometimes I think we go too quickly to being like, oh, he doesn't care about the church mm-hmm. or he's running the church to the ground or she's doing this or... They're doing that. Um, and when those accusations come, I think it goes nowhere and it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best way to do is if you have real questions about, hey, man, I I know that their heart is in the right place and they want to do their best, um, but I want to understand why they came to that decision, then ask, have a conversation. You don't have to accuse. And then kind of sometimes, sometimes actually I get uh, people who make accusations and go really hard at me. And then they realize it was actually just a misunderstanding Mm -hmm. and they go, Oh, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And, and usually my advice is, Hey, we could lead in with a question rather than saying, Paul, you did this. How could you, you could say, Hey, can you help me understand the reason for that decision? Am I understanding you correctly? Um, Is this why you have done it? Or is there another reason I would just like to learn? Mm -hmm. Um, You would get the exact same answer out of me. (laughs) um, But the tone of the conversation would be, in my opinion, a lot more God honoring Mm -hmm. and each other honoring. Mm -hmm. And, And I think, um in, in the story of Encanto, you find that everyone in the family is trying to do their best in their own way. Mm-hmm. And yet when it starts when things start to fall apart and get harder, um they start to blame. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not good. It's not good for the family. And they eventually thankfully get to a point where where there's resolution and there's reconciliation. Um, but I think it's a huge lesson for us to understand that, hey, maybe we're all just trying to do our best. And sometimes maybe they're misunderstood and how to do the best, but we can talk about that and Mm -hmm. we can help each other get on the same page rather than accuse each other.
1: Yeah. And you and I were talking before this about how when they go straight to blaming each other, how potentially that's all coming from such a place of fear. Yeah. And worrying about losing their gifts, worrying about each other losing their gifts, yeah. worrying about how each other is using their gifts and yeah. different things like that and how fear unfortunately can be yeah. such a powerful Motivator, yeah. and I think we see this in real life. We see this in families. We see this in the church. And I think maybe one of the reasons for this is past experiences. Yes. And you and I yes. have talked about this book that's kind of become like common um, vernacular now, but about the body keeps score. Yes. And how physiologically, when we go through uh, traumatic or negative things, like our body and our minds actually keep these pathways and remember these yes. things. And about how now um, information is coming out that in order to rewrite those pathways, you need to have that same experience. Um, the same amount of times, if not more, to rewrite it. And so I think fear is such like a visceral and powerful thing because it can come from trauma, can come from past experiences. And no one is saying that that can't happen because obviously that's going to happen. But what do you do with the reality of the fear? And I think that's where, you know, being a Christian and, and believing in Jesus and believing in the power of the Holy Spirit is obviously a powerful way to navigate through these things. But um, yeah, what do you think navigate uh, reasons for the fear that we find?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there is a huge theme in this story and in our lives about the fear of losing our gifts, Mm -hmm. fear of losing our purpose and identity, Uh, whether we call it that or it's just an internal feeling that we can't really put a finger to, but it's actually, we're just fearing this idea that what if we're useless? Mm. I think that's a fear that a lot of people have. What if we have no meaning in life? Um, nothing to add to the world. Mm. Um, and I think it's funny, you mentioned your own story of uh, you know your concussion and, and, and the limitations that you have to live with now, and hopefully not for all permanent mm-hmm. um, time, but at least for now, you're seeing a huge implication to your life um, and and you now maybe have lost for this moment the superpower of looking at a screen for more than thirty <laughs> minutes, and and, and, <laughs> and being in a place where it's loud and and it's got you know lots of people and not having to worry about being overwhelmed yeah. by that physically, um, and, and I think sometimes this is as is, is hard, and I'm being sensitive to you and anyone else who's going through real sufferings and persecution even. I think God sometimes uses persecution or suffering or hardship in life to allow us to focus not on our gifts, but the giver of those gifts, mm-hmm. right? I think sometimes God uses um, a tactic of taking away. And, and there are a few really cool lines in the Bible, right? Like you give and take away. Mm-hmm. You're the giver. You have the right to take away. And yet when we, we might take fits if you take it away, God. But at the end of the day, you have that right. I believe in that. I mm. believe in the complete lordship and authority of our God, that he has the right to do that. He owns my life. That's my personal belief mm. in our Jesus. So then um, when he takes it away, uh, my goal would be that I would reflect on, okay, God, what do you want me to learn here? Um, what are you helping me grow? Um, is it love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Um, did you need me to really get out of my regular rhythm in order for me to actually hear you? Hmm. Was I not hearing you? And and I'm not trying to say all your sufferings are are a consequence of you not listening to God. I'm not suggesting that, but it's an opportunity for us to grow deeper in Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And I choose to see it that way. And I know it's hard for you if you are going through it right now. And especially if those sufferings are really deep and painful. Um, But I do think that is perhaps the best and most productive way to view sufferings. Mm -hmm. Um, We see sacrifice as perhaps the last theme that we can talk about today uh, in this movie as well. Abuelo with grandpa, Abuelo Pedro, um, he sacrifices himself to protect his triplets and his wife. Mm -hmm. Right. And Luisa, the sister uh, sacrifices herself to serve the community and the family. Isabella sacrifices herself to even get married to a guy. She doesn't even like because she thinks, Oh, maybe this is good for the community. Um, Bruno sacrifices himself and leaves the family to protect his niece, Mirabel. Abuela ultimately did all of these things in her own attempt to protect the family. Um, so it seems like there's a lot of sacrifice mm-hmm. going on in this family. And those are all signs of how they love the family and how they love the community. And I think Jesus in the Bible, it says that God showed us his love, that while we were yet sinners, his enemies, he died for us. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, sacrifice is the biggest evidence for true love for another. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the story shows that beautifully, but also our story, the greatest story, the story of Jesus Christ shows that. Mm-hmm. The story that we celebrated a couple weeks ago during Easter, um, that's the story that I like to live out and I like to share with the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this story and Encanto kind of points to, I'm not suggesting that the creators are Christians or anything like that. I don't know. Um but I think when the world watches something like this, it sees a beauty in sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I think it's our job as the messengers of Christ to link some of those stories to the story, the story of Jesus Christ. And I think um, the world appreciates the story of beautiful sacrifice. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're going to go and um, talk, do a draft on the favorite animated uh, films of all time, um, because this is an animated film, and um, I think
1: and we like to do drafts. Yes,
0: and we like to draft. <laughs> and apparently, you as listeners love listening to drafts. So uh, we'll take a break here, and we'll come back, and we'll do a, a draft. So look forward to that as well.